It's been a few years now since the whole Mayan calendar 2012 business. And of course, our world did not come to an end. And that's not a surprise. What is a surprise is the way we kind of let all the scaremongers off the hook. Nobody's going back and holding them to account. And I'm not going to let that happen. So stick around because today on The Voice of Prophecy, I'm going back to the apocalypse that never happened. Welcome to another edition of The Voice of Prophecy. I'm your host, Sean Boonstra, and today I'm going to look at a distinctly prophetic topic, namely, the apocalypse that didn't happen in 2012, when half the world seemed to be gearing up for some kind of major disaster. Of course, nobody seemed to actually know what that disaster was supposed to be, but there was a lot of speculation. An asteroid was going to pulverize the Earth. The North and South Poles were going to switch their polarities. Some kind of super virus was going to wipe us out. Something was going to happen. They were sure of it. Nobody knew exactly what it was, but something was going to happen. And I remember that back in the year 2010, a couple of years before this supposed apocalypse, I was in the city of Rome giving lectures on Bible prophecy. And one of the major TV networks invited me on the air to talk about the book of Revelation. Now, when I got to the station, I discovered that one of the reasons I was invited was because the program host had just seen that movie, 2012. And I guess the movie spooked her a little bit because she was desperate to know about the end of the world. And she asked me, look, is it all really going to end in disaster? And I suppose she was hoping I'd feed the audience some of the doom and gloom she'd seen in the theater, but honestly, I wasn't about to do it because all that 2012 hype was just hype. And it was hype that does not match the key message of the book of Revelation at all. Now, I know that most people think in terms of cataclysmic apocalypse when they hear about the book of Revelation. But honestly, that's because they've spent more time listening to Hollywood than actually reading the Bible. I mean, absolutely, there are some scary-sounding things in that book. You've got vials full of wrath. You've got this beast crawling up out of the sea. You've got a death penalty for believers and seven last plagues. There's lots of stuff in there that Hollywood tries to cash in on. But the key message is not death and destruction. The key message is not the end of humanity. The key message is hope. I mean, just listen to the way that the book of Revelation ends. It's got to be one of my favorite Bible passages. Listen to this, and you tell me if the Bible ends with the utter annihilation of the whole human race. Here it is now, Revelation 21, verse 3. Listen carefully. And I heard a loud voice from heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now listen, I understand that doesn't exactly make for a scary apocalyptic movie. But there's the truth about Revelation. It's a book designed to give us hope. In in fact, thanks to Hollywood scriptwriters and producers, this might just be one of the most misunderstood books of all time. Now, now, let me take that back. It's actually worse than that. The book of Revelation is probably the most misrepresented book of all time. 
because I really think that people who crank out this garbage in the movie theaters aren't even trying to understand this. They just know that you and I find the book a little scary, and they're cashing in on our fear. And honestly, I think that's despicable. They're taking something that clearly demonstrates God's existence, clearly exhibits his real character, and they don't care about what God's actually trying to say. They just want to use the mystique of the book for the sake of the bottom line. And in my humble estimate, that probably qualifies as adding to the book or taking away from the book, something that the book of Revelation condemns in no uncertain terms right at the end of the book. But I guess I'm digressing for a little bit, and i got to come back to the year 2012, because there's something that really bothers me about that whole phenomenon. The people who promoted that stuff, the people who worked so hard to fuel public anxiety, they just walked away from the whole thing on the morning of December 22nd. They dropped the matter. And the irresponsible clowns who cashed in on fear never had to apologize. They've never come back and said, I'm sorry. Now, listen, I'm telling you, if some notable Christian preacher had done the same thing, if some Christian preacher had predicted the end of the world on December 21st and it didn't happen, they would bring it up again and again and again, and rightly so. People would have made an example out of him. It, it reminds me of Harold Camping. I don't know if you remember him. He told us Jesus would come May 21st, 2011, and that the world would be destroyed later that same year. Even before his prediction failed, he was the butt of jokes. And yet, Harold Camping had the decency to apologize when the whole thing was over. He made it right. But the 2012 hucksters? We haven't heard a word. We haven't heard from the TV networks who aired all that sensationalistic garbage. We haven't heard from the authors and public speakers who promoted this stuff. We haven't heard a peep. So today, I want to hold them all to account. They might have stopped talking about it the morning after, but I'm not ready to let this go because, trust me, these people are going to do it again. They did it in the year 2000 with the Millennium Bug, and they did it in 2012, and believe me, they're going to do it again. And they're going to do it because it gives them 15 minutes of fame. And they're going to do it because it taps into our collective sense of anxiety, and it sells a lot of books. These guys do it for the bottom line. So today... I want to ask all those people who promoted all that fear, where in the world did you go? Where are you? I think you owe us an explanation. I think you need to come back on TV and tell us where you went wrong. I know that doesn't sell books, and I know you're going to have to eat a little crow, but honestly, I think you owe it to everybody to own what you did. Harold Camping apologized, and now it's your turn. I mean, honest and for true, it really is time to fess up and apologize. Show your face one more time and tell us why you were wrong. Get on the air and tell us why the world didn't end. Write another book and admit that you were doing this for the money, or at least admit that you were way off base. I think you owe us that. I mean, I really do. And of course, I'm not holding my breath, because I've got my doubts. I don't think anybody has the courage to do it. So I'm going to do some of it for you. I'm going to take a short little break to tell you about the Discover Bible School, and then I'm going to come back and talk about the whole 2012 thing, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about the one name that seems to pop up every single time the hucksters try and get us to buy their books. I'm going to talk about the so-called prophet 
Nostradamus. And I'll be back in just a minute. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Are you searching for answers to some of life's biggest questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides can help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or call us at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Okay, we are back from the break, and I'm hoping you wrote down the information during the break because the Discover Bible course is a great way to figure out what the book of Revelation actually says. It's time, I mean, it's really time for people to stop getting their information from TV specials and horror movies, and it's time for people to actually look at what the book of Revelation actually says. It's not what you've been told. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of disturbing imagery, and there are some pretty somber messages, but the actual content is far removed from the stuff you see on TV. In fact, it's not even like some of the stuff you see on Christian TV that you read in Christian books, which seem to be more and more peddling this version of last-day events that nobody even knew about in Christianity just a few generations ago. I mean, listen, for something like 1,800 years, there was widespread agreement on what Bible prophecy was describing. And then, in the first half of the 19th century, it all changes. We suddenly had these new ideas. We had these new ways of understanding the Bible that popped up and gave birth to a whole new prophecy industry. Starting in the early 1800s, we had these new charts and new diagrams and new ways of talking about Revelation that honestly would have seemed completely foreign to the early church fathers and to the countless scholars and theologians who came after them. For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, we actually all agreed pretty much on how the book was structured, what the general meaning of Revelation was. And then in the 1800s, it all changes. And that should send up a red flag for any serious Bible student. I mean, why did we suddenly change our minds? Anyway, you need to get yourself the Discover Bible course because it's designed to help you understand the Bible for yourself. It'll take you through all the major themes, all the big topics of the Bible, and it will give you the tools you need to begin wading through the book of Revelation so you can understand it for yourself. So, if you didn't get the contact information just a moment ago, then hang tight, have a pen and paper handy, because we're going to repeat it again in just a few minutes. But before that, I want to tackle the whole 2012 business. And I think I want to do it in two parts. First, let's look at the Mayan calendar, because so much was said about the Mayans and their supposed ability to forecast the future of the world. The reason the Mayans got so much attention a few years ago is because the Mayans had this cyclical calendar that runs for a really long time, and then it repeats. And I guess that's the part that these TV shows all skipped. The Mayan calendar repeats. It keeps going after December 22nd, 2012. It just starts over. But that doesn't exactly sound like the end of the world, so nobody mentioned that. They hid that fact, or at least they really downplayed it. The only thing they really wanted you to think is that the calendar stopped cold on the 21st of December. Now, the real truth about the Mayans is that they actually used three different calendars. They had a sacred calendar that was 260 days. They had 
a civil calendar, which was 365 days like ours, and then they had this long, long calendar which lasted thousands of years. And yes, from what I can tell, the Mayans seemed to have believed that when the long calendar would come to an end, the universe would be destroyed and recreated. They would push kind of a reset button. At least from what I've read, that seems to be the case. And obviously, if the Mayans really believed that the universe would be destroyed in 2012, they were dead wrong. Because here we are, still kicking, long after the Mayan expiration date. But I guess what I really want to know is why it got so much attention. Why does anybody care what the Mayans said? Why do we assume they knew anything at all? Is it because their whole culture is something of a mystery? I mean, their descendants are still alive and well, living in places like Guatemala or El Salvador. But most of us really don't know anything about the Mayan Empire. We know they had a thriving civilization. They built remarkable things. They had a high degree of culture. And we know it fell apart. And really, that's all most of us know. If you're not an archaeologist or an anthropologist, the whole Mayan culture is shrouded in mystery. It's this lost civilization. And so it reminds us of spooky things. It reminds us of an Indiana Jones movie or one of those late-night conspiracy shows. And we tell ourselves, ooh, maybe the Mayans were visited by aliens, or maybe they were psychic, or maybe something happened that made them just a little bit superhuman. I don't really know what it is that makes people willing to believe that the Mayans knew when the world would end. But I do find it completely amazing that their calendar could get so much traction when it's based on such little substance. Meanwhile, at the same time, the Bible doesn't get much airtime. Even though not one single prediction in the Bible has ever been proven wrong. Not even once. And we're not talking about nebulous or vague predictions that could be applied to just about anything with a little bit of imagination. In the Bible, we're talking about very specific predictions that have been fulfilled in very specific detail. I mean, consider the fact that the book of Isaiah was written well over a century before the Persians conquered Babylon. But somehow, Isaiah managed to identify the man who would conquer the city by name. And it gives us the specific details as to how he would do it. It told us very specifically that a man named Cyrus, a guy who's not even born yet, Isaiah says a man named Cyrus would dry up the river, go under the wall of the city, and find the interior doors unlocked. And then it named Cyrus as the man who would liberate the Jews so they could go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem and the temple. And it's all predicted way in advance. The Babylonian captivity was still in the future. The details are so amazing. They are so accurate that skeptics try to explain it away by saying it must have been written at some later date. Because there's no way anybody could know it in advance. And the skeptics say the same thing about the book of Daniel, too. Because Daniel managed to get the whole history of the world completely right hundreds of years in advance. In fact, Daniel even mentions the names of empires that would succeed each other well before they existed. Impossible, they say. Someone must have written that afterwards and tried to pass it off as the work of a prophet. Except that we know for sure the book of Daniel predates Jesus, and half of what it prophesies takes place after the life of Christ. If you go through the Bible, you don't find one or two remarkable predictions. 
you find hundreds of them, and not one of them has ever been proven wrong. So you'd think that the TV networks would be clamoring to get the Bible on the air. But for some reason, they ignore that, and they run with a single date on an ancient Mayan calendar. Somehow, that makes for good TV. And with these guys, the Bible doesn't cut it. And if they do mention the Bible, they sensationalize it, they distort it, they twist it so that it looks like another Mayan apocalypse when nothing could be further from the truth. And then when it all fell apart, when the 2012 stuff didn't happen, and listen, I'm telling you, I knew that it wouldn't happen. When their predictions fell apart, the networks, the writers, they just change the subject and they move on to the next thing. And that makes me scratch my head, because there's just no comparison between the sensationalism and the Bible. If you really want to see something that will blow you away, take an honest look at Daniel or Revelation. And, and don't do it by watching another A&E or History Channel special. Go and read the book itself. Read it like the authors wrote it. Pay attention to the broader context. Understand how it was written. Now, if you don't have the tools you need to do that, if you find the books bewildering, just write me and ask me. I'll give you everything you need. I mean, honest and for true. I'll send you what you need to get you started. Because it's just that important. I mean, I want you to have the opportunity to read the Bible for all it's worth. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm up against another break. I want you to run. Go and get a pen or pencil and something to write on. Because I'm going to take a short break. And while I'm away, I'm going to give you all the information you need to get your own copy of the Discover Bible course. You don't want to miss this opportunity. You really, go get something to write with. It's that important. It'll be that great. We've had more than a million people take this course, and they all say the same thing. I understand the Bible in a way that I never had before. So, we're going to take a break. I'll give you the information, and then I'll be right back to talk about the so-called prophet Nostradamus. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Do you feel as if your life has lost its meaning, just moving from one task to another without any answers to the really important questions in life? Like, is it possible to have a fresh start and to find real happiness? Well, the Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for to this and to all of life's big questions. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888 456 7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. You can choose to study in the format that's most convenient for you. You may either do the lessons completely online or have them mailed right to your home. Both options are completely free of charge. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And we are back from the break. And it's time now to talk about 2012 and the medieval prophet Nostradamus. Now, that was a name that popped up a lot in this build-up to the non-apocalypse just a few years ago. And it's kind of surprising, actually, because Nostradamus didn't actually say anything about 2012. He did say a lot about dark and gloomy things, but that was more than likely because he lived during the ravages of the bubonic plague, and he actually lost his wife and kids to the disease, so he kind of had a dark and gloomy outlook on life. And to make the whole disaster in his personal life worse, he had this reputation as a healer. He used herbal remedies and folk medicine to cure people, and he couldn't cure his own family. 
So you can imagine what a blow it was to his credibility and his own morale to stand by helplessly while his family dies from the plague. Now, after they died, Nostradamus suddenly turns to more of the dark arts, stuff like astrology and the occult, and that's what fueled a lot of his predictions. He made his predictions by writing little four-line poems we now know as quatrains. They're four lines long, qua, quad, the word for four, they're quatrains, four-line poems. And most of these poems are so vaguely worded that you could actually apply them to lots and lots and lots of different things. You just have to apply a little bit of imagination. Anybody who needs a doom-and-gloom prophecy to prop up their own apocalyptic predictions can easily go and find something Nostradamus wrote, and they can make it sound like Nostradamus agrees with them. But did Nostradamus ever mention the year 2012? The answer is no. He, he didn't. Not that it would even matter, because even if Nostradamus had mentioned 2012, he would have been wrong. Just like he was wrong about almost everything. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, what do you mean Nostradamus was wrong? Everybody knows he was right. No, he was wrong. And by that I mean he was wrong most of the time. A few years ago now, I started digging through his poems to see why people were making such a fuss about them. And as it turns out, Nostradamus made 449 major predictions. There's quite a body of his work. And out of those 449 predictions, only 18 have been proven completely wrong. That's only 4%. And at first glance, that's pretty impressive. He's getting 96% right. And if he's getting 96% right, maybe he's the kind of guy you want to help you play the stock market. Except for this, 4% wrong doesn't mean 96% right. What people don't tell you is that out of 449 predictions, there are 390 that don't fit anything that has ever happened, any place, any time. You can't prove them wrong because there's no detail. It just doesn't apply to anything. Let's suppose that I make a prediction. I'm going to make a prediction like Nostradamus. And let's suppose I say, In the fourth moon over the house of Marty will come one who dances to the left of Jupiter. Well, you're never going to be able to prove me wrong because that doesn't make any sense. There's nothing you can check against. You don't know who Marty is, you've never seen Marty dance, you have no idea when to start counting moons or how far left of Jupiter you should be looking. It doesn't make sense. So it's not wrong, but it's also not right. And that's the way the vast majority of Nostradamus's predictions are written. They just don't make sense. So when you add 390 nonsensical predictions to the whole mix, you're only left with 9% that were right. 9%. Now, I don't know about you, but if a heart surgeon has a 9% rate of accuracy, I'm going to find another surgeon. So why in the world would so many people trust a guy who gets less than 10% right? Why would they trust him so much that they actually tried to tie his name to the whole 2012 debacle? I mean, it seems like all you have to do these days to get somebody to watch your TV special is to mention that Nostradamus said this or that and Bam! You've got an audience. But honestly, Nostradamus is way overhyped. He's a fallen prophet. But the networks need him to avoid falling prophets. Yet the Bible, 
which has stood the test of time for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the Bible gets sidelined in favor of all this apocalyptic quackery. And I have a hunch I know why it happens. I mean, quoting Nostradamus is dark and spooky, but it doesn't ask you for anything. It doesn't have any authority. It doesn't make any claims on your life. The same with the Mayan calendar. I mean, it's just a conversation piece, a water-cooler discussion. But it doesn't ask you for anything. It doesn't make any claims on you. So you can afford to pay lots of attention to it. You don't have to do anything. But if you start to read the Bible, and you begin to notice that there's no way someone could fake this book, then you begin to see that there really is a divine hand guiding world events, and that's going to mean something for you personally. If God is real, you're going to have to deal with that. You don't have to deal with the Mayans because that civilization, for the most part, is long gone. You don't have to deal with Nostradamus because Nostradamus is dead. But if God is alive, then lots of things are going to have to change. Because the Bible isn't just a book of predictions. It's the revelation of a living God to a world of people that have been separated from Him. If God is real, then you have to deal with that fact. You have to deal with the fact that your sins put you at odds with Him, and there's something that you have to make right. And you're going to have to deal with the fact that most of Bible prophecy was pointing forward to Jesus Christ. It was talking about the moment that God would actually step into our world in human flesh, live here with us, and then pay an astonishing price for you. There's a whole lot at stake once you start to see what's in the Bible and start to admit that there's actually something to it. And maybe that's the reason it really doesn't get much airtime, because there's just too much at stake for the average person. If we begin to admit that the Bible is true, then we have to admit that the way we live is not right. We have to admit that you and I are way off course and destined for disaster. But I would argue that the price of ignoring God's message to this world is much higher than the cost of coming to grips with it, than the cost of admitting that we need His help. Listen, I know you've been told over and over again that the Bible's just another book of mythology, that nobody can really make any sense of it. But let me ask you, what do you have to lose by looking at it? If it's just a myth, then fine, you can read it and walk away. But if it's true, and believe me, that is what you're going to discover if you take an honest look. If it's true, then you have everything to gain. Because this is not a book that ends in disaster. This is a book that ends with a God of love moving heaven and earth to bring you back home. Thanks for listening. I'm Sean Boonstra. This has been The Voice of Prophecy. Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Well, the year 2012 came and went, and we're still here. Those who predicted the end of the world were clearly wrong. But I remember the fears and the speculations, asteroids, mysterious plagues, and just whatever else no one exactly knew. But they were sure that the world would end in 2012. Well, they were surely wrong. But maybe you remember the hype, too, and perhaps it even left you with a lot of questions about the future and whether or not the Bible is real. Well, if you're searching for answers to this and other of life's tough questions, I know where you can begin to find answers. The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at our toll-free number, 888 
456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. The 26 Discover Guides cover a whole range of subjects, including the ones we've been talking about today. Guide number two looks at a fundamental question, can we believe the Bible? While answering that answers a whole world of other questions. And what about the future? Is it all doom and gloom? Well, in guide number seven, we discover an amazing Bible prophecy that came to pass just as predicted. You can study online at our website, BibleStudies.com, or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. And while you're online, be sure to visit us at VOP.com. At VOP.com, you'll find audio archives of this program, the latest ministry news, and resources to help you dig deeply into God's Word. And did you know that you can listen to this program from your smartphone or tablet? Well, just search for Voice of Prophecy in your favorite app store. So give us a call at 888-456-7933 or visit us online to begin your journey to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Visit BibleStudies.com today.